Greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony, and I'm your host, Etienne McClintock. By the Word of Their Testimony is based on Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, where we read, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, Mm -hmm. and did not love their lives to the death. In the studio today, I have a special guest, Donald Owen. Many of you will be wondering if by the word of their testimony is scripted. Now, it is not, actually. It is the story of each individual as it unfolds as the Holy Spirit leads and brings to the remembrance what God has done in their lives. Amen. And we praise God that we can actually hear the testimony as the Holy Spirit inspires it. And I pray that you will be touched by what you hear today. So, Donald, yeah. welcome. It's great to have you in the studios. Thank you for having me, Etienne. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Now, it's interesting for me because I'm not recording out of our Morissette studios today, and we're mm. actually recording out of our 3ABN studios really? in West Frankfurt, Illinois, right here in the cornfield, so Ooh, to speak. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and you were saying before that there's a saying about the corners being planted, that if the corners is high... Knee high by the 4th of July, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So some of the corns are a little bit lower than that at the moment, and some of the corns are a little bit higher than that. But we're right here in the cornfields, and it's a wonderful spot, and I appreciate the use of the 3ABN studios here at the moment to hear you share your testimony. Amen. And I'm looking forward to hear how God has changed your life. But perhaps before we get to the change, tell us what you currently do here at 3ABN. Oh, man, where to begin? That could take a long time. Um, Actually, I'm on call currently. Um, I work production. I'll be asked to either run camera or I'll do airport pickups or various things. Maybe I'll work in a call center, you know, folding things and stuffing Mm. things. I used to do that, too. And they also used to work me in pastoral, so I'd take pastoral phone calls. So I've been... Quite a few places in three right. You've, so. you've worn a few hats, and you still Just, continue to do yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to be a studio director too, or studio manager. So wow. Yeah, so I've been a couple places. So yeah, the Lord's been gracious and kind. So, but there's other things I do outside of three ABN, which the Lord has really spoke to my heart mm. that since we moved to this area, that it's really important we work in this community. Mm. Uh, so I kind of step back from my job to get more involved in the community and get out there and. So I do a lot of promoting the community, and we just did a camp uh, meeting uh, recently, and uh, went and promoted that, and a lot of the activities we got church-wise, we promote, and so um, fantastic. I'm also personal ministries director for the church, and that's and, the Thompsonville Church, correct? And then I also go out and speak in various churches when they ask me to come and speak. I have a little circuit, and mm-hmm. I speak places, and. So, well, yeah. that will keep you very busy because, I mean, the personal <laughs> yeah. ministry's responsibilities oh, are yes. very big, and this is a, yeah. quite an active church, and you've mm-hmm. got an active pastor as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So a lot of responsibilities <laughs> between 3ABN and the Thompsonville uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fantastic. Maybe we can step back in time then, and then we can look at closing the gap between where you from originally, where you were born. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about sure. that. Um, well, born in a small little town, actually not small anymore. It's grown since I moved from there. Uh, it's called Lapeer, Michigan, which is really close to Flint. If you look at a map, many people hold their hands. If you look at a glove, 
we always show people I lived in the thumb of the glove. Oh. So that's where I lived at, <clears throat> pretty much in the thumb of uh, Michigan. So I was born and raised there. Um, kind of uh, the history of my family, my mom was raised Catholic um, at a young age. She married a non-Catholic, and at that time, uh, Catholics would excommunicate if you were not married to a Catholic. So she got oh. excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Wow. Um, she, he, they actually went to church together for a little while. Things happen in the church, of course. Word gets around, and my dad got a little upset at uh, what he had heard, and so he kind of fell away from going to church. My mom continued as a young age to take us to Baptist churches, so mm. we kind of floated around to different Baptist churches, and uh, we never really settled on any one particular place. But uh, I had that little upbringing, and I believe at 13, um, I gave my heart to the Lord, and my brother had told me that I was baptized, and I, for some reason I don't really recall being baptized. Okay. But, yes. But uh, that's kind of where we started, and then I can actually moved um, to Indiana years later. So then went from Indiana um, actually to be with my wife uh, at the time, girlfriend, and uh, some things we didn't do properly, um, biblically wise. But uh, God was blessed us through that, and um, so I moved from Indiana, and later found out about um, 3ABN, and okay. so now we're in Illinois. Wow. Okay. So, so there was some religious influences in your life early mm-hmm. on in the piece. Correct. Is there anything there that you'd say in your upbringing that may have had an influence in your life as you were growing up and later in life uh, that, you know, for good or for bad? Um, that's a good question. I, I actually believe personally, I think the Lord gave me a heart. Not, we all have hearts, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's the fact that I think he gave me a heart for people. And I'm like a sponge. I absorb people's actions and attitudes and things and as a young man i I realized that i didn't really like people much oh okay only because of what i've seen family members and things do the cruelty of mankind and and just the the darkness and the evil so i kind of whisked myself away in my own little room as a kid and uh just kind of hid myself as it were away from people Mm -hmm. and uh so i became kind of off closed off and my mom actually wanted me to go to see a therapist uh, she said, you have some kind of issue. You need to go see a therapist. And I really didn't want to do that because I know in my mind, I just felt impressed that um, they're going to mess with your brain. And I didn't want that messed with. So, sure. so I didn't go. So but, were you a bit of a loner at, uh, yes. at that time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, very much that, so. that doesn't come across at, at all now. You're very social <laughs> and very caring person and really very much involved in people's lives. And yeah. I would not have picked that up. That that was uh, something that you sort of, you know, uh, inclined to when you were a younger person. Yeah, I I was very a loner. Uh, I didn't like uh, getting around people. I think it was more of a shyness, of course. And sure. a lot of stuff happened as a kid, you know, being bullied and that kind of stuff. Um, I just didn't want to associate with people. I didn't like I said like the cruelty. I didn't like any of that. And I actually really enjoyed just sticking in my room. I'd have these little cassette tapes back in the bay and had cassette tapes and they had yes. a book that went with it. I listened to like Rumple Stillskin and uh Jack and the Beanstalk, those kind of things, and I'd just eat my little nutter butters, I'd sit in my room and that was my own little world and you know, so uh it took a lot for the Lord to get me to where I am now and Especially speaking in front of churches, who would have ever thought that would happen? So right, so you weren't you're not an, you weren't an extrovert person. Oh no, naturally. Mm-mm. Okay, Mm-mm. no. So. Well, so the Lord has actually changed your life quite dramatically. Yeah. Oh yes. So if people met you back, say, thirty years ago, mm-hmm. and the people meet you now, would they be able to recognize your personality and who you are? I think the caring part of it, the caring nature, okay. but not so much the outspoken, being kind of assertive. Mm. And getting out, not so much. I would be more reclusive and quiet and 
and I wouldn't talk much. I still occasionally I'll, I'll just keep my mouth shut, but I like to talk a lot more than I used to. Right. Okay. So I think the avenue for me when I was a kid was uh, writing poetry. I used to write a lot of poetry. Oh, you wrote poetry. Okay. Used to, yeah. And mm. a lot of it was kind of dark back then because of my lifestyle then mm. was more dark. So reflecting of what you were going through and what was happening mm-hmm. in your mind at the time. But yeah. I was really a people watcher. I've okay. always been a people watcher, and I think for most poets, I, I wouldn't say for all, but a, mo- a lot of poets, that's what they tend to do is watch people, they observe, and they write poetry. Mm. And I would do that. I would write poetry about things I've seen, uh, just uh, experiences. And, sure. and so that's kind of my outlet at the time was mm. through poetry. And, of course, it's shifted quite dramatically since then. But, yes. Uh, yeah, so. Right. Well, in each person's life, there are certain events that are sort of like milestone or defining moments and that. So... If you look at your life, you know, defining moments, is there anything that stands out from your early childhood where you say, okay, well, here's, uh, I made a mental shift or here's something happened in regards to my circumstances that had a dramatic impact? Mm-hmm. Anything from around that, uh, that time period that stands out for you? I would, I would have to probably go back actually to college years for me okay. personally. So, um, around what age would that be then? Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. About the eighteen, nineteen. Um, that's kind of where. Uh, I'm I'm thankful and blessed that the Lord He got me out of my little reclusive shell, but at the same time, Satan got in there and used a little kind of like a little trick in a sense. Sure. Um, but thankfully, God knows how to bring us out of those evil mm-hmm. times. Um, I had a, a girl that I went to college with. Um, actually, it was from my hometown. Okay. Only had a couple of us there at this particular university, and uh, she invited me out to her place for the weekend. And um, she said we're gonna have a little party. Mm. And I didn't really drink. Uh, I don't think I really drank much even in my late teens. I've always kind of tried to be the choir boy, quiet boy, the right boy. And parents say, you know, don't have sex before marriage and all that kind of stuff and, you know, and don't drink. And and so I started, I tried to live by that as a Mm -hmm. kid. I really tried to do the right thing. And uh, uh, at that point, um, I went to the party and that's kind of where I began to develop more social type skills. And so it was a negative thing, but at the same time, a positive thing. That's when I opened up and began really... Um, hang out people, becoming social and interactive and more extrovert. So, right. Okay. So, yeah. so that sort of brought out maybe a personality was there, but circumstances that sort of just uh, you know, shut it down a little bit or just uh, you internalized it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. So so what happens from there in your life? I mean, do you just do you become more of a party guy or <laughs> – <laughs> well, yes and no. Um, okay. I still had my shyness. Um, okay. For me, it was uh, getting involved, well, actually mostly culture. I'm going to go back and get, say okay. culture. Sure. We had in my college, we had a lot of interesting folks, some from the Netherlands, some from uh, Germany, some from Malaysia, all these ethnicities and um, cultures and language. I just, I love that kind of stuff. I just mm. love culture, diversity. And uh, so I really took to that and um, had a lot of fun with that aspect. And I think that's where I kind of got my footing as far as being more uh, extrovert and talking to people. And I just really enjoyed the uh, the difference of people that come from other countries, you know, obviously from yourself that you're from New Zealand and all the different areas mm. you've been through and experiences. And that just to me is exciting because I don't want to be rude, but for me, uh, Americans just kind of can be a bit boring. Oh, really? <laughs> For we me, find it, was ex- it anything but boring coming <laughs> over here, but I guess this is what you're used to. And yeah. Yeah. we all so, think the same from our, you know the places we're from, oh, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I, you know, when I see people are from culture, I'm like, this is so cool, you know, mm. what do they eat, what do they talk or what, are they, you know, what's their culture and their customs and things. And so I was really interested and that kind of got me excited. And yeah. So, yeah. 
Oh, great. So you're you're at college. You uh, you finish a diploma or a degree. Mm-hmm. What were you studying at the time? Uh, I really wanted to get in advertising. Um, I really liked that, and so I went to that and graduated with uh, associates in advertising with a two year degree. Mm. And I also got a four year degree in business management. Actually, I should say five because I went to Florida for a year and found beach life a little more exciting than oh, okay. school. But uh, they call it a gap year. Where we yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oops, <laughs> that's an oops year. Yeah, right. but uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and I graduated with a. Um, um, Business management, uh, okay. bachelor's in business management. Um, I really didn't use it much. Mm. Um, I guess maybe in a way, uh, kind of roundabout, but um, the Lord has a way of getting hold of us and taking using some little teachings and learnings and things we've learned to and to make that flourish later on. So right. he's been kind of using that lately. So, right. so it's been cool. So you're on this journey of life. You've got your degree. What happens next? Uh, graduate college. Uh, this is close to year 2000, and many of us are aware of Y2K. Yes, I remember that well. Um, well, I signed up with a business uh, in Detroit, Michigan, which is like two hours from where I used to live. Um, we go out to various locations in the United States, um, and we're more of an asset control uh, business, but we would put labels and barcodes on your monitors, your, you know, whatever, um, your hard drives and all kind of stuff. But mm. we are also checked to see if your computer is going to blow up. Okay. So we put a little floppy disk at the time, floppies, you know, it's kind yes. of older stuff. But we did a floppy disk and, hey, your computer's fine. It's not going to blow up. And then we put a little tag. And But we went to a uh, particular place in Louisville, Kentucky. And that's kind of where history changes even more so. Um, right. Yeah. I met a young lady there. Um it's interesting because we I work with a bunch of young men. Of course, young men, you know, mm. they they want to find the woman and they want to be able to have their little fun. And so we go to this particular bank. Um, most of the banks we had went to at the time, they're all older women, and the guys are like, "Man, this is boring. You know, it's all women. We're the young girls. We want to kind of find someone, you know, to kind of hang out with and mm. I guess flirt with more or less." And uh, we met. I actually went in this young lady's office and very knockout just gorgeous woman i was like whoa i was like wow so me like a uh, you know like a puppy ran back to the guys and said hey guys you're gonna be excited about this i said you finally are gonna meet a woman that's very attractive and uh so of course guys how they are they all went running into the office and they just like stared at her and, <laughs> and uh, the guy i was uh, managing with his name was don interestingly enough and he told me he said hey donald why don't you go inventory this big printer or whatever it was across the way. He said, I'll get this room. I was like, okay, I see how it is. And uh, so he sent me over there and uh, she invited us out to a club at the time. We used to go to clubs and drink mm-hmm. and stuff. And uh, she invited us out and they kind of started doing their little thing at the club, you know, flirting with them and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, this is kind of boring. So I went on the floor and started dancing yeah. by myself and both her and her friend came out and danced with me. So that got a little interesting, but uh, I became friends with both of them and I've eventually found out that I really enjoy my wife um, Janelle a lot. She was so this is how you met your wife. Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, at that time, I decided I was going to move down there to be with her. And that's kind of where we were a little unbiblical in our approach, but God can fix that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we um, we kind of started. I, I actually moved in with her. Um, we lived together. Uh, we spent ten years together before we actually got married. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we lived together for 10 years, and then we decided to finally, in a sense, tie the knot um, or get married. Uh, a lot of due to my kind of b- background with school, I had a lot of 
outstanding debt. So that was kind of the fear of me why I didn't want to get married because I didn't want to drag her into my credit issues. Sure. So I was trying to meet for her needs. But, yeah, it's kind of kind of leads you into Indiana. Where <laughs> Indiana, right. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are together for 10 years. You're living a, a secular life, I guess, uh, religious mm-hmm. influences, church influences, anything like that in your lives at the time? My wife, she was raised Adventist um, at a young age, I think about 13. She just got baptized. And mm-hmm. again, Satan stepped in and uh, both her and her, her mom and her dad got a divorce. Uh, some stuff happened between the two of them. So she fell away from the Advent faith. Mm. Um, I never really had a stable faith, I guess you could say. I really didn't. I cared about God, I guess, to a degree, but I'm always a nice guy, good person, but I uh, never went to church, never really thought much about reading the Bible. Um, sure, you're not, not really a praying, Bible-reading kind of a no. person. Right? Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> okay. And um, we were going to get married in 2008. Um, we had plans, set a finally set a date, and mm. said, "Our, uh, you know, let's do this." And um, so that's where I started to, to find out I need to get some stuff out of my closet, mm. little, little dirt. Ah, uh, okay, <laughs> right. Understand little, what you're little, saying. Little dirt uh, that was lying there, and um, I know a lot of people struggle with this, and that's kind of another reason why I want to share this testimony mm. is that there are a lot of people who are hiding uh, things, uh, especially dealing with the idea of lust and. Um, um, Pornography, uh, all that kind of stuff. Well, I struggle with that. Mm. Um, I can actually back up. Um, when I was probably about 13 or 14, my younger brother, I have three of them, and the younger one close to me is two years younger. He went to a store, local store not far from where we live, um, decided to put 10 to 12 pornography magazines on his pants, walk out the store, and come to our house, we had a little shit out back, and he said, hey, guys, I got something I want to show you. So we all go back there, and he just plopped out all these magazines, and mm. I started seeing nude women for the first time. And, you know, of course, at that age, you got a lot of hormonal things changing sure. and stuff. And so I was like, whoa, wow. And that's kind of what began my descent into kind of like a dark pit, I guess I want to call it, mm. uh, getting into pornography. Uh, it progressed even to the point where I was going to strip clubs, peep shows, uh, you name it. I even found myself at one point into a transvestite bar, which was really crazy. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, we're out of here. But um, just mm. it's a dirty, nasty sin that we get involved in, and it's mm. really hard to kick. And it's So it's, you were living a completely normal life except for this other part of your life, mm-hmm. which was more of a private nature rather than a public nature? Unless you had some friends who would you know come with you, I guess, but it was yeah. more of a private nature, I mm-hmm. guess is what you're saying? Yep, exactly. Mm. And um, I got to the point where, where was it? It was probably around 2000, I want to say four or five, somewhere internet just started kind of booming, started coming out. Mm. And uh, when I was in college, I remember um, probably my junior year, uh, it was really bland, basic internet. They didn't have all the pop-ups and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, man, you know, like we talked about earlier, the culture and stuff, I thought, man, it's so cool. I can contact somebody across the world and we can talk via internet and chat. Mm. Well, it turned out a little more than that because I can start talking to women. So now I get into online chat with women. So mm. then it gets even further to where I go into sexual chat, mm. which who knows if you're even chatting with a woman or a man, who knows? Because you, you can know. pose or whatever, right. you don't know. Yeah. And so I found myself really hooked on sexual chat. Um, I would even do it in my workplace. 
Um, mm-hmm. The one place I worked at uh, locally, um, where I lived in uh, Indiana, uh, a newspaper place, I would actually go online. They wouldn't give me any work to do, so, of course, I'm going to find myself something to do. Sure. And I start sexual chat while I'm at work. Mm. And I got addicted, and it came down to the point where I took a vacation. I decided to cover my tracks, and what I did is I started deleting files. I deleted files thinking, well, they'll not catch me, and um, I came back from vacation. And a gentleman that was my manager, he calls me into the office says, um, this isn't working. Uh, we're going to have to let you go. We know mm. that you're doing um, stuff online or on the yeah, Internet and that you basically you destroyed our computer. You deleted files. You killed our computer. So you're going to have to oh, – we're wow. firing you. So I need to say I've never really cried at being let go from a job, but mm. that one I did because I knew what I had done was wrong. Mm. And I was trying to quit. And I just couldn't. I just could not quit the pornography. Um, it was a really dark period of my life. I even went on to the next job, still doing it. I'm going on to YouTube now. YouTube comes out. You can get anything on YouTube. Mm. And uh, I started perusing that and watching stuff, listening to stuff. A lot of me, I'm very oratory. I like sound. Right. Um, so I like that in visual, but more oratory. And that's kind of where my, my weakness was. And uh, my wife, too, uh, we both together would go to... Uh, video stores at the time, videos, and we would go into the, the dark rooms where they have all the tapes and stuff and the pornography, and we'd bring it home. And around 2008, like I said, I really wanted to get out of this lifestyle, and uh, that's when the Lord really got a hold of me. Mm. So, Wow. Yeah, so that's probably something that quite a few people may be able to uh, relate to, uh, Donald. I mm-hmm. um. I know that when I grew up around the same time, probably around the 13th or 14th, was the first time I actually was exposed to pornography as well by a friend of mine who'd found this magazine just in mm. the field mm-hmm. and took it. And I'd never seen anything like that before in my life because where I grew up, it was actually banned. Pornography was oh, great, wow, banned really? until about the, uh, the early mid-90s. Under apartheid, I was bro- grew up in South Africa to the age of 17. Uh, they were actually very religious society, even with the challenges they had with apartheid and that. They were very religious. Most people went to church Amen. Uh, in the population, you know, both ethnicity, whether it be black or white, they all were, were church people, a lot of them. And the first time I saw that as well, it actually had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be very careful what you expose yourself to at a young age because this can actually come back to roost later in life and you, know, you can get involved with things and then you have guilt and you're trying to hide stuff. It's a secret life that only you and God knows about basically. And you get online and it's such easy access and a lot of people get trapped in it. They're addicted by it, they enjoy it, but they're never satisfied by mm-hmm. it. And if this keeps you up at night and you, you, you're burning the midnight oil and you should, you know, you should be going to work, but you're up till all hours of the morning, you go to work tired and you're having a terrible day. Whenever that happens with anything, I think, it, you know, it's an addiction. And I, I, I'm thank you for your, um, for your willingness to share that. Mm, and I think it's a, it's a brave move, but I think many people will be touched by it because obviously God didn't leave you there. <laughs> you had a terrible experience. You lost your work. Yeah. And even after that, while they had a major impact on you and you were very disappointed in the uh, the reasons why you got dismissed, at the other work you still continued with the same practice. So it just shows us, you know, we may know it's the wrong thing, but unless God gives us the victory over something, we, we keep on, we're destined to repeat it again and again. Yeah. So what happens in your life? What changes? Um. Well... Uh, of course, like I mentioned, we were, we're talking about marriage, and marriage is serious. I mean, that's that's a serious commitment. Mm. Um, my mom and dad 
even though they had their issues, they had their differences, and they still have their arguments, they stuck it through. Um, they've been married to this day, what now, 43 years? Oh, no, I'm praise, sorry, 45 years. Praise the Lord. That's 45 good. years. Yeah. So, um, you know, I see what they struggled with, but I also watched them um, stay together through the, the thick and the thin, through mm. the, when we didn't have money, which I'm always been pretty much poor. But, you know, just through those tough times and stuff, they still they stuck it through. Yeah. And um, I'm very proud of my parents for that. Um, there are things I wish they would have done differently, but um, I'm just thankful that they, they stayed committed to mm-hmm. one another. And they kind of showed me an example, not biblically, but just staying committed. And sure. uh, so I'm really thankful for that. So getting married was a huge um, a huge thing for me, and I really want to take it serious. So I do something. I want to take it serious. And so I'm like, Lord, I finally like prayed, Lord, you know, I've been trying to quit this uh, pornography. I can't. Mm. I'm obviously I'm failing at this. I need help. And this is also around the 2008 period. Yep. Mm-hmm. And late February 2008, I almost even remember the day. <laughs> it was the last week of February. I do remember in 2008, we were talking about marriage and making arrangements and all that stuff. And uh, I knew crunch time, you know, it's like crunch time is coming up and I need to get some stuff off my chest. And mm. so uh, that last week in February is when uh, God literally woke me up and um, I had a dream, a very vivid dream. I said, we, we've been going to clubs, we've been drinking, uh, we were, you know, kind of social drinkers kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, pornography, of course, and trying to quit and um, kind of backtrack. We actually decided together as a at that that time, uh, fiancés, uh, you know, kind of thing, that um, we decided to burn our stuff. Obviously, can't give somebody your pornography. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, you can't say, "Hey, buddy, you want to have this?" And you, you yourself are convicted of it. It doesn't work. So, you know, my wife and I at the time before we were married, um, we talked about it, and I said, "Well, let's burn it." Mm. And uh, she said, "I don't think I'm comfortable doing it. I really want to hold on." You know, we had other stuff besides pornography tapes and stuff. There's other things. So I told her, let's burn it. So I went and burnt my stuff. And she finally um, eventually said, yeah, I think I want to burn my stuff. And Mm. if she were here, she would even tell you herself. She said it was like a huge burden just lifted off her back when she burnt it. She felt so relieved. She even texted all of her friends and her friends like, what's wrong with you? You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And um, she said, I just, I feel free. I feel free. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, huge. And uh, praise God that he used me to reach her. And um, in 2008, like I said, I had that dream. The dream was this, that I was in a bar with some friends. They're mm. sitting in a booth. I'm standing next to this booth, and I'm, I'm staring at a double doors of this, this bar and um, just kind of casually drinking, having fun, laughing, carrying on. And this old man walks into the bar, and he's got a long white beard, long white hair, just really looked out of place for a bar um, type, you know, person to attend and so he walks up to me. He locked eyes, literally locked eyes with me, walks past me. And as he does, he says, God is coming. God is coming. Mm. And I shot out of my bed. I'm literally crying. And I'm at this point, I'm going, what? What just happened there? I don't understand what happened. I knew something was different. Something happened, and I, I just couldn't put my finger on it. So I immediately rushed in the living room. I had my Bible there, which I really hadn't read much. Um, I kind of flirted with it and... So I sat there and I read Revelation fourteen twelve. Here is the patience of the saints, those that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Mm. I said, what, what are you doing, Lord? What is this all about? And uh, so at that point, he stirred my heart to start really thinking about the Lord and what I want to do. And uh, 
to be honest, within three months, and I still don't even know why I did it, but I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. In how many months? Three months. Wow. Are you a fast reader? I can be. You can be. Yeah. Wow. That is a, that's a lot of material to cover in three months. <laughs> I don't remember much at the time. I didn't. But, uh, yeah. you know, it was just really incredible. And um, I started attending a Wesleyan church. Mm. I've always been a Sunday keeper at that time. Mm. And um, I love singing. And so the Lord worked through that way. Yeah. I saw an ad in the paper that said, hey, we want a lead singer for our church. So I signed up. I went to the church. Little did I know how God was going to work through even that. Um, so I'm singing in the church, small group, maybe 20 people, 30 max, and opening up song um, uh, and just having a good time there. But I noticed something different about the, the way church was handled there, the pastor um, and his wife's role and the way they like interacted with the uh, church members. I just I saw things there that I really wasn't pleased with and it didn't really set well with me. Um but interestingly enough, within that uh, time period, um, they had to go away for vacation, <laughs> and they leave me the keys of the church mm. and asked me to open a church and lead out. And little did I realize later on that God would eventually lead me to other churches that are not Adventist churches, but uh, just kind of how he used that moment. Yeah. So, uh, But um, I fell away from there in a sense, didn't want to attend there, so I'm like, okay. I started studying um, some other things, and then God put back in my mind my wife's religion and started asking her little questions. And um, I said, so what is about the Sabbath? You know, what's this Sabbath deal? It's kind of foreign to me. And the Lord impressed me. You know language, right? You know Spanish? And I said, yeah, Spanish. Uh, Saturday is sabado. Yeah. Okay, sabado kind of sounds Sabbath. All right. And he said, well, let's take it a step further. Go and Google Saturday in languages. So mm. I did. I Googled it. I saw Sabota, Sabathni. I'm like, wow. So all these languages have like Sabbath and their Saturday. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, there's truth to this. And so I began doing a little research. Instead of looking at pornography online at work, I began studying <laughs> right. present truth and different websites about Ellen White and different things. And it just progressed from there. So... Wow. And this all happened with this dream. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So uh, the dream is a defining moment for you. Mm-hmm. Huge. Uh, usually defining. Yes. And from there you start studying and researching material. So what happens next? Um, well, Janelle has some family members that were Adventists, still attending the same small Adventist church they always attended years ago before she fell away. And um, so I got connected to them studying Steps to Christ, um, mm. the Ellen White um, Steps to Christ study uh, group of them. Um, one of the leaders in particular was a Boyd Hooper, and he was very instrumental in mentoring me in a lot of ways, um, okay. studying Daniel and Revelation together for years, about two, three years. Um, very, very amazing. Uh, that study blew my mind. But mm. I took the study home with my wife. Um, I was still studying with that group, but at the same time studying with my wife, the Steps to Christ. So we started studying that. And um, about two months prior to wrapping up our little study at home, the Lord popped in my head, you need to go to church. So I'm like, oh, man, I really want to go to church. I really was hungry for it. Yes. I didn't say anything to my wife, and um, so we just kind of talked, and she said she really didn't feel comfortable with the Bible and where things are in the Bible. But uh, as we wrapped up that um, study, she looked at me, she said, I think I want to go to church. I said, you do? And she said, yes. 
I think I want to go to church. I said, are you, are you kidding me? I've been, I've been waiting for like two months. I've been wanting to go to church. I said, yeah. so how does this work? I've never been an Adventist. What do we do? I mean, yeah. where do we go? How does this? I didn't know how it worked. I, you right. know, it's been so long since I've been in a church. So, mm. yeah. Wow. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> so, okay, you, you, you're doing studies at this church. You're doing studies with this friend that you've met and then also doing studies with your wife. And as a result of the studies, your wife then has a desire to go to church. And that's an encouragement for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what's your journey from then onwards? We, what, what happens next? Um, we venture on to uh, try some local Adventist churches. Uh, one in particular was about 45 minutes drive from us. We didn't have one locally in our community where we live. So we drove out there and, yeah, nice people and stuff, really, really friendly and things. And um, she said, well, let's try my home church. Let's see how that works out. And so we decided to go there. And that's kind of where we planted our feet, more or less. Um, got baptized there. Let's see, December 5th, actually, of 2009. Okay. I was baptized in the Adventist church, and um, I was very zealous for the prophecy. Mm. I'm going to kind of point that out, um, that I got baptized more into the prophecy side of things. I was, oh, I was just eating up, and I read The Great Controversy, and that book just blew my mind away. I'm right. like, wow. Yes. So I kind of got more baptized in the prophecy. Okay. But then later on, um, as I... God worked on me more and more. I eventually saw not only the prophecy side of things, but also the the love, the Christ love and Christ righteousness. And okay. So um, we got rebaptized with her together in 2013. We both got baptized. Okay, so, so you got baptized in 2009. Although you say you got baptized when you were young, like 13 or so, but you mm-hmm. can't remember that one. Mm-mm. And then you got baptized at 2013. So the 2009 baptism was that more a um, a mental knowledge ascent mm-hmm. and then you felt that you know the relationship side in 2013 yep, was the right. special time when you actually it's like a marriage covenant almost with the lord mm-hmm. and that's why you got rebaptized yeah wow that's interesting <laughs> yeah so uh, look that's i guess a lot of people may you know come to an understanding of the truth and it's the knowledge of the truth that uh, convinces them so therefore Amen. they go and do the right thing mm-hmm. but ultimately it's it's our relationship with the lord there isn't you go. it Mm-hmm. I mean, in the book of John, chapter 10, there it talks, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice. They will not four. follow a stranger. So we've got to know Jesus. And then we'll also hear him in the prophecies. Mm-hmm. We'll hear him in the truth. Jesus mm-hmm. says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we'll hear him in the right doctrines and prophecies as well. But prophecy is one of those things, you know, even the apostle Peter says that, you know, prophecy is one of those things. He says, we've got a more sure word of prophecy, which we do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star, Amen. which is another name for Jesus, mm-hmm. the morning star rises in your heart. So prophecy is actually a revelation of Jesus Christ, and that's, that's right. what the book of Revelation is called. But when you bring the two together, it's beautiful. Oh, man, it's, powerful. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so thank you for bringing that out. Now, you did tell me just before we, um, the first time we met and spoke about your testimony, and that's obviously now we're in the studio re- recording it, you mentioned this dream that you had that it the significance of it dawned on you later because you made a connection between something you saw later and this um, this man walking into the uh, the bar where you're sitting. And I don't think you've covered that yet. No, actually, thank you for reminding me. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not sure how many of your listening audience may have watched this, but um, there is a DVD series out there. It's called The Seventh Day, and it's hosted by Hal Holbrook. I guess a pretty reputable actor at the time in this, uh, I guess, in the United States. But uh, anyways, mm-hmm. he hosts it, and there's different segments. And I remember, uh, I think it's like a three or four CD set or DVD set. I'm sorry, but within there, uh, there's a specific time period that stuck out in my mind, 
and it was within, I think, the 1400s. A gentleman was in Asia. I'm not sure exactly what um, country in Asia, but it was mostly the uh, what had happened to him. And he was getting set to go to war. Uh, he didn't want to. He was becoming a seventh, like a Sabbath keeper. I should say Sabbath keeper. And uh, he felt convicted that he shouldn't go to war. Mm. And prior to him making that decision, he had a vision. (laughs) And in that vision, he's standing in the, the scene was obviously different from what I experienced, but there's a mountain that kind of meets this uh, dirt road. It kind of curves around that kind of, I guess you could see just the the dirt road kind of curving around a bit around this mountain. And coming around the mountain is this man, Mm. an older gentleman with long white beard, and long white hair. Mm. And he even locked eyes with this gentleman. So as I'm watching this DVD and viewing this, I almost literally like passed out. Mm. Literally. I mean, my, my wife even said I turned like pale. Wow. <laughs> I've turned pale because I was like, there is no way that anybody else could visually kind of display what I saw in vision. And, of course, like I said, the culture's different, the time period's different, the scene was different, but the exact same long white beard, long white hair, and the same dead stare in the face and walking past, the way the eyes locked and everything was just Mm. like, I I looked at my wife, I said, how did they know? There's no way they knew. There's no way. How did... That's so you had not seen this series before. You no. had not seen this video footage. Mm-mm. It is on a series that talks about the Seventh-day Sabbath as it's kept in different cultures around yep. the world going back into history. Yep, that's right. And the man in this footage with the white beard and the eye lock, you, you recognize him as the man of your dreams that yep. walked into the bar where you were sitting mm-hmm. <laughs> and said to you, what was the word you said to you? He, he is coming. He is coming. God, God is, is coming. coming. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this thing connects two things to oh, you yes. in regards to the Sabbath DVD mm-hmm. and this this dream that you had. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. God is just, God knows who he knows. He says, many are called, but few are chosen. You know, and I think about that. And and it is, you kind of travel into, it says, my shirt I'm wearing actually today, it says, called, chosen, and faithful. Right. And you know, you think about that. You're already called. You're already chosen, but he's just asking you to be faithful. Mm. That's like the future tense. You know, the others are called and chosen are past tense. So he's already called you. He's already chosen. You just got to make that decision yes. to be faithful. And uh, I'm just so thankful that he's faithful to us. And, you know, um, none of my other, none of my family are seven-day Adventist. And it's a very, it could be almost seem like a lonely journey, but with Christ, it's not. And, mm. you know, it, it's just been a huge blessing um, just to fast forward our life, um, dealing with uh, what we came out of pornography. We're now, um, I've been impressed a couple years ago, um, since I said, like I said earlier, I want to get in a community. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, there's a lot of hurting people in this community. And I remember what your proverb says, you know, my people perish where there's lack of vision. Yes. I said, so what is your vision you have for this community here, Lord? And as I prayed that, uh, I began to think about the idea of addiction recovery. And working at 3ABN, we are very privileged. Uh, Shree Peters, and sure. I know you probably heard of her. Yes. Many people in Australia have. Um, that um, she put a, a thing together called Celebrating Life and Recovery. Mm. And there's actually a kit in which you can purchase. And thankfully, again, we work here at 3ABN. The call center was kind enough to give us two kits, which 
obviously the church helps support that financially. But um, we were impressed. Um, a couple of people I worked with at the same time, they started saying, yeah, we want to do this thing on addiction recovery. And I had another coworker saying that her daughter's struggling with some stuff and she'd like to see some kind of recovery thing. So I'm like, well, maybe this is the Lord speaking. So we kind of just um, unabashedly walked into a church board meeting, didn't even put ourselves on the roster or anything, just showed wow. up wow. and just said, hey, we got this idea. And everybody's like, whoa, yeah, we really like this. So let's support this. So the whole church got behind it. And we decided to take the material and and learn of it ourselves, to go through the 14-week program ourselves. We did. Um, we had a, a core group that were interested in taking this into the community. So we decided to take it first here lo- locally in Thompsonville. We started the church, and you know how people are. They have a fear of church. They don't want to walk in a church, that sure. kind of thing. So we only had maybe three commit to this uh, recovery group, but one of them in particular, she is n- she's still with us mm. through our recovery, still doing it. But then we decided to take it further into the community. Um, there's a place called the Maranatha Center in uh, West Frankfurt, not far from here, about maybe 15 miles. Uh, it's kind of like a center of influence type thing. And we decided to launch there, and we put out advertisements all over, did on 3ABN Radio and all kinds of stuff. And uh, we had 22 people show up. Wow. 22 people our first night. Um, By the end of the 14-week program, we had 14 people graduate. 14 people. And I can share some amazing stories. So this is addictions of all Mm -hmm. types. All kinds. Mm -hmm. Um, We had some that, um, of course, there's overeating, there's pornography, there's alcohol, drugs, there's even mental uh, things. So, Mm. yeah, we had several cases. I could just, I could share tons of stories, but, you know, obviously our time is short, but I could um, just, um, one quick example, Um, a lady that came, before she came, she tried to drown herself to death. Uh, her daughter found her face down in a tub, and she wanted help. She wanted out of what she was into. She was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and she would try to quit. She would go back into relapse. She would drink more. She'd quit, go even heavier in, and she's like, I just can't quit. Uh, well, a friend of hers who goes to an Adventist church north of us by about two hours, I'd say, decided to take her to this um, recovery group, and they came um, every week, and um, after a while, um, somebody had told them that they really don't need this type of recovery group. They need more prophecy. And I was impressed by the Holy Spirit to encourage them to mm. come. They stuck it through, and praise the Lord, she has now been sober since September of last year. Oh, praise, Completely praise off of alcohol. Yeah. Sober, now married, moved on. Her daughter got out of mm. drugs, got out of the bad situation. So once you make that right choice, it says, God will honor those that honor him. Yeah. And Amen. he honored her and changed her life, and it's just been incredible. So mm. addiction recovery has been huge yeah, It's us. wonderful. And it's not the thing. It's not how many times you fall. It's how many times you get up. Yep. Now, there's a text there in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16 where it mm-hmm. says that for a just man falls seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Mm-hmm. So the wicked will fall once and not get up. But a righteous man, even if you fall seven times, you will get up seven times. So God is always there wanting to help. So, you Amen. know, if you have been a person that's been struggling with addictions or whatever it may be, don't give up. Don't despair because God is able to provide Amen. you with all the help that you need. His strength. When you are weak, then in him you can be strong. Amen. So we just pray that you would give God the opportunity to work in your life. Don't give up. 
and allow him to actually bring that healing to you because what he does not only does he give you the strength to overcome but he also helps you to heal from the hurt and the pain that's been caused that's by right. your addiction Amen. from the past he's able to set us free from our past which is which is wonderful news so thank you for sharing that donald we have a few minutes left is there anything in your in your in your story that sort of stands out for you uh, you've mentioned, obviously, a, a dream that you believe is inspired, and it's, it's an incredible dream, especially if you connect it to that, that series and you see the same person. Oh, yeah. You talk about prophecy. You talk about your relationship with the Lord, your relationship with your wife, circumstances. We've touched on circumstances here and there a little bit, but is there anything else as far as you think of the influences in your life that got you to the point where you you gave Jesus a try and, and Jesus satisfied, obviously, uh, all the all the desires of, of what you were looking for. Hmm. Well, I'm going like, to liken it back to praying mothers, I guess. My mom, hmm. you know, even though she struggled with her spirituality, she hmm. still, I'm sure, prayed for me. And I think that's the biggest thing, um, prayer, hmm. a praying mother. Um, but also, too, I've had some God puts divine appointments in your way. Right. He brings you the right people at the right time. Uh-huh. And he knows when your heart's ready. And um, he brought me to a particular gym, like I said, Boyd Hooper, who sat down graciously with me and studied um, Daniel and Revelation for like two years. So and he brought my wife into, and we studied together and just now we're on fire for the Lord. We just love going out for the Lord. We love talking to people about the Lord. We like, um, you know, getting uh, people in the church on fire and just getting out there and just sharing what we know. Because if we really feel like our time is short and we have people and brothers and sisters that are sitting in darkness, wouldn't we want to share that light? Mm, and bring amen. them to know the Jesus that we know, and that's what we and um, right now that's what we do a lot of. We just want people to be on fire, excited about the Lord. Um, he's out there to help heal you, as uh, I like what Shree Peter says: God delights in your recovery. How cool is that? And that um, is so, cool. yeah. you know, um, that's kind of for me the huge thing is just how God came to my life, helped me through my struggles. Um, he's still, I'm still struggling with things, but you know. We're all a work in progress. Um, like we were talking about earlier, sanctification, it's a, it's a lifetime work. So. Yes, yes. So, yeah, God has been good. Well, Donald, that's uh, that's wonderful. I, I'm just contrasting what you've told us previously about what your life was like and that you you, know, you were basically looking for happiness but in all the wrong places. You know, you're mm, looking for right. fulfillment and, and, and happiness and pleasure, but it didn't quite satisfy you. I mean, it, it caused you to get into situations where you even lost your work you know, and made you unhappy mm. at times. And uh, God has been able to set you free from those things that enslaved you. But your life seems so different now. You seem to be looking and focusing on others and wanting to give rather than just, you know, be out there receiving what can I get for myself. Maybe you can unpack that a little bit and just tell us why it is that you do what you do now sure. compared to what you used to do before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for that question. It's an excellent question. Um, yeah. I guess it, it all stems from... God can change the desires of your heart, and mm. sometimes you think you know what you want, um, but like you said, it's a selfish thing. I, I really wanted nothing to do with people. Uh, I didn't want to be around people. I couldn't stand people. They made me irritable, more or less. Not irritable, I should say, but like I said, it's just the, the seeing the hurt and the pain of people. And I think that God had blessed me with a heart to see that, but at the same time, I didn't know how to direct it because I was trying to do it on my own strengths. I like right. what Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I didn't know Christ. So mm, mm. I was trying to do all my own strength. Right. And I was so frustrated about way, the way society was, how they treated people. And and now, uh, reflecting back on it, um, and now having Christ in my life, it's it's totally been, been opposite of that in a sense that 
I don't get bitter anymore. I mean, sure, there's stuff I wish people would latch on to, especially when it comes to the gospel. I'm so hungry for it. But it's just more the mentality. I want to see people healed. I want to see people um, come to the Lord, really. That's my, my passion. Mm, and mm-hmm. um, my wife and I, we've been doing a lot lately, um, just in the last few years, uh, especially coming to Thompsonville, and they put us as personal ministry directors. We, we've been getting the community a lot, and mm. um, I've been doing a lot more. I kind of call myself the unseen promoter. I go out and I don't get paid for it, but um, yeah. personally, like by monetary, but I know God, he's got a different pay system. You're laying scale. up treasures in heaven. Yeah, he's got a different pay scale. Amen. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, we need to share the gospel, and if we just if we go like Elijah, I just talked about this to, to my wife this morning. You know, Elijah whisked himself in a cave, and God's like, "What are you in a cave for? Mm. You got something to do, you know?" And he's like, "Well, I'm the only prophet left." He goes, "No, you're not." You know, yeah. I think sometimes we can fall in that category to where we think I'm the only one left, and you don't mm-hmm. want to get out there. And, and there's another scripture that says, um, "For the love of many wax is cold," and yes. sometimes we get so inundated by what we see around the world, and that's what happened to me. I saw all the stuff that I didn't want anything to do with anybody. But now that Christ is in my heart, I had the desire and the drive to want to see people one to the side of Christ. And that's when Christ steps in and says, hey, I've got a work for you to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's what spurred on my passion now is to see not only people individually, but also churches on fire. And if we really want to go home, if we really want to see Christ, wouldn't it, in a sense, I guess the word behoove us to go about doing his business and not our own. I mean, mm. that's what Christ did. So, Well, he gave himself for us, didn't he? So yeah. really the transaction, if we understand how much that means, that every moment we take a breath, you know, in him we live and move and have our being, mm-hmm. that we owe him everything, this right. life, mm-hmm. even this temporal life we owe to him. And then, of course, eternal life he has purchased for us. Why does the transaction, I mean, it just makes logical sense. He's given himself for you. We should give ourselves to him in return and serve him. Mm-hmm. And, of mm-hmm. course, now, if, if you can help other people, uh, and, I mean, this is the social element of the gospel, God can transform and change your life. doesn't matter what your challenges are. God gives you wisdom to know how to deal with situations so you mm-hmm. don't get yourself in the old situations you find in the past. But the other great thing is that he sets you free. He gives you victory over these addictions. Yeah. But it's actually by not gritting your teeth and trying harder. It's actually by surrender, which is the yeah. funny thing. Give up and you gain, and you gain the victory. Mm-hmm. It sounds... It sounds like it's not supposed to work that way, but that's how it works. But the giving up is not to the sin. The giving up is to Christ. Yeah. So render yourself to Christ, and then he will actually fight the battle for you because he's gained the victory already. Yeah. And there's his victory you can then claim as yours by faith, and he can deliver and set you free. So you're busy at the church. You're busy here at 3ABN. So what are the things that keep you busy nowadays in regards to sharing the gospel, the good news of salvation, and victory and deliverance through Christ? Oh, man, thank you for asking that. Seriously, I was just putting it all in my head, and I'm like thinking, you know, I just thought about the story of David and um, great uh, leader, spiritual leader, um, you know, for uh, Israel. Mm. But he did one little mistake. He stayed back from war. And what happens? He sees himself looking at a woman bathing on the roof. Mm. And ends up laying with her, kills you know Uriah, and just huge ball snowball happens. So yeah. the reason why I share that is because if we don't stay busy for the Lord, if we're not in the battle, there's something wrong. Mm. So the more we dig ourselves in the Word, the more we pray, and the more we see the needs being neglected around us of those that are hurting, um, the more we get involved, the more um, we're going to not get into those uh, environments where we're going to find ourselves being idle. They say the idle hands is the devil's workshop. Sure. So um, not that we go out to just 
to do the work because, you know, it's a way to get, earn ourselves to heaven. But mm. it's the fact that we want people to have what we have, and we don't want to be idle. And so my wife and I, we've been doing a lot of different um, things. Of course, you've probably heard of Hacksaw Ridge. Um, we had a huge blessing in that. We got into a movie theater, and uh, we gave out close to, I want to say, 3,000 books. And, I mean, just incredible results. Um we put a parade together one night, um, just quickly found a parade locally, had about six of us go out, and we handed out 500 um, Hacksaw Ridge books in 30 minutes. Wow. I mean, we literally had people coming into the parking lot. We were asking, are you the one with the book? And so people were hungry for this book. Yeah, wow. And it was just incredible and just to see the results. And, and that just gets you excited. You know, one of the guys that went with us, he said, you know, I could be mowing my lawn right now. I want to be doing this and that, but I will go out with you guys. So he's kind of hesitant. But when he got done, after we were done going out, he was like, wow, praise. That was so amazing. That was so fun. And he was on fire. Everybody's on fire. And just, and I want to see more people like that just enjoying what we're doing. Mm. And uh, when you see that and you see people being healed, it's just how refreshing and rewarding sure. it is. So more blessed to give than to receive, yes, isn't it? Yeah. Awesome. The thing is, un- until you start giving, you don't actually know how what a blessing it is. That's right. A guy had so much on his plate, I guess he wanted to go mow his lawn, and then he goes out and you know does a little bit of thing, uh, work for the community, sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and, uh, through a book, just handing out a book, mm-hmm. and that set him on fire. He was, oh, uh, man. He yeah. delighted himself <laughs> in, in working for the Lord in that sense. Well, pray, praise God for that. Donald, look, I really appreciate you sharing your testimony. It's, yes. it's, it's wonderful to hear what God has done in your life. Praise God. When you told me your story of your past and what you were like, I didn't recognize that person. <laughs> God has changed your life. Amen. And that is a testimony. A changed life is a testimony that no one can argue against. You That's know? right. And I even know that King Saul was reluctant to be made king. And, but then Samuel says to him, when the Spirit of God will come upon you, you'll be an entirely different person. Mm. So if you don't like mm. yourself there, dear listener, if you're out there, if you don't like yourself, God can transform and change you. You can become an entirely different person. You can have a person that has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can have all those fruit of the Spirit in your life. God is able to make you a person that you would even like yourself mm, if amen. you don't like yourself at the moment. And God loves you. He's demonstrated his love to you that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet ungodly, and while we were yet enemies, Christ came and died for us. He demonstrated his Amen. love. And you can read those texts there in, in Romans chapter 5 from about verse 6 through to about verse 10. So we thank you for joining us again today, Donald. It's been a pleasure having you here. Amen. Uh, I've been, been blessed by hearing your testimony, and no doubt our listeners today would be blessed by what they heard as well. Now, if you would like more information or if you have any questions about today's program, please contact us on 3AB in Australia Radio. In Australia, you can phone us on 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abinaustralia.org.au. We are also on Facebook, and you're welcome to find us on Facebook on 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page, and you can even send us a message there. So please join me next time as we share more of what God has done in the lives of people just like you and me. Until then. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.